0: My answer is, okay, I'll give you Jesus. Um, and thank you, Cindy, for being here and, and Reuben. Um, uh, Kevin is away for a couple Sunday, three Sundays on vacation, takes one big vacation. He gets all his Sabbath in one time. And as he's out hiking and skiing the grandeur of the western part of the United States um, with uh uh, a variety of friends and, and family, so can keep him in your your prayers. Um, my name is drew Smith i have the privilege of being the pastor here at uh, College Hill church and welcome all of you who are with us here physically and those that are with us uh, on online. I have a um, we start a new series uh, today as we begin Lent. This uh, we started on Ash Wednesday, uh, where we we came before the Lord in a real spirit of lament and confession, and recognize that this Lenten period, this these five weeks before. Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are set so that we can reflect and respond and prepare for that celebration of the resurrection that that really we touch every Sunday, but that we're looking forward to on that day of Easter Sunday. And it's so that the church um, that's gone before us have set aside these seasons so that when we come like Advent for Christmas, Lent for Easter, so that when Easter comes, we don't just blow right through it. But we're prepared and we're ready to, to get just a little bit more of just the, the depth and the explosive meaning of the reality of the empty tomb. That, that Jesus is still alive. That it is possible to give you the living Jesus today. It is possible for us to experience the living Jesus And so as we go through Lent, it really is about the word repent. And we'll talk more about that. It was the first words out of Jesus' mouth in the Gospel of Mark. And in this season, is ways that we are in actually in a lifelong journey of repentance, of change. And so today I have a story. Um, uh, that Steve Barry uh, is going to share with us. Um, and, let's uh, see, Steve, you'll use this microphone, it looks like. The uh, other one got misplaced. Oh, no, you got it. They gave it to you. Oh, they're, they're a step ahead of me. Um, but, but Steve is the men's ministry director of LIT, which means living in testimony, which is a uh, addiction recovery, a faith-based Christian um, uh, 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 reco- addiction recovery ministry in the city. And actually part of it here in the College Hill. But I'll let him tell his story and the story of LIT. So, Steve, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Sure. Good
1: morning, church. Is the song the You're word? Good. Uh, My name's Steve. I am the uh, housing director for the Lit Movement. Uh, We are recovery housing for men and women who struggle with addiction and alcoholism. Uh, We currently have uh, three men's houses in Lower Price Hill and a women's house right down the street here uh, that began about a year ago. So um, a little bit about me. Um, I was... I believe I was called at a young age to follow Jesus um, as I was in church as a child um, and remained there for about eight years. But um, as I became a teenager, I strayed and decided to figure out my own path and um, I spent many years on that path um, afflicted, um, experiencing lots of pain and loss, torment um, isolation incarceration, um, hospitalized uh, throughout probably 25 years of addiction and alcoholism and uh, a life of sin. So a uh, little over three years ago, I found myself on the steps of an abandoned building, alone and tired. Uh, and for the first time in my life, uh, from the depths of my being, I cried out to Jesus. And he answered me. Um, I asked him for help, and he led me on a on a path to a place where I would become discipled uh, by followers of Jesus, um, who taught me how to pray, who taught me how to read, uh, who taught me how to be selfless um, and to share the good news with others. And uh, since that day, I haven't looked back. Um, I had no idea what I was going to do with myself, uh, in that time that I was being discipled until probably a year and a half in when I knew uh, the Lord was calling me to uh, fish for men. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was supernaturally planted in my heart um, a love for others that I had never experienced before. And um, I set out from there and linked up with a very good friend of mine who had already started the Lit Movement. Um, and he took me under his wing, um, and today I'm the, the housing director. And uh, I know there's a lot of recovery houses in the city, but what sets us apart, A, is we're faith-motivated, but B, uh, we have a full-time staff, uh, and we devote our lives to trying to disciple men and women on a daily basis. We start all of our mornings uh, by leading our men in prayer and reading the Word, Um, they're free to work and make their own way, um, and we help them through the entire process. Uh, anything they need, we're there full-time to help them. Um, but our main goal is, uh, total transformation through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We work 12 steps. Um, a lot of us do Celebrate Recovery, AA, NA, things like that, but what we found is that is literally just, um, the principles of how to live out Christ's word—that's um, what the twelve steps are, and uh, that's what we—that's what we do actively every single day. Um, I wake up, I pray, I give my life to Christ, uh, just like in the scriptures that I'm sure you're going to touch on. Um, if any man would come after me. Let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And I, I find that I have to do that on a daily basis. It didn't, it didn't stop the day that he answered my prayer. It's a daily thing that I must do every morning. And uh, I just thank God for uh, salvation, uh, for His love, and for the life He allows me to live. Thank you, Church.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you man. Thank you, Steve, for just the, the, the courage even to stand up in front of a bunch of people you don't know. But they're nice. They're nice. And they love you. And Jesus' love is is real in them. Um, but to stand up and to share that uh, story. We, we have bought a table at Litt's... Uh, um, uh, they're having an information and fundraiser on March 2nd that morning. And so if anybody would like to go find out more about them again, you'll see if you if you're going north on Hamilton, you start looking to your right on the second floor. You'll see the little flame just right next to the uh, the dogs on a leash um, on a Hamilton. And across the street, I think from Moon Beauty Supply, you're right across the street from Moon. Yeah, so right, right there. You'll see them. They've been there good for a good, good year now. So they're, so a College Hill neighbor. So, but if you are interested in that, talk to me or to Heather Lathander about, uh, and we get you the information about going to that uh, information session on March 2nd. Um, well, Steve shares with us a classic story of repentance. Man, where it's obvious he's going one way and he finally gets to the point of saying, Lord, help me. And, and he goes another way. That's what repentance is, really. It just means you're changing direction. You're changing your mind. What you think is life, you're now changing your mind saying, that is not life. That is death. This is life. And it is Jesus. I propose you, even though his story's a lot more fascinating than mine, that my story's no different. And your story's no different. That the basic thing is we think there's some way that leads to life and it doesn't. The way of life is to turn and follow Jesus. And in the eyes of God, our stories are absolutely no different in those basic realities. And and no different as well in that our journey then is a journey of repentance. Of constant course correction. As we're always drawn back by the voices within us, the voices around us, or the the work of the evil one. to, To somehow say, oh no, this way will bring life a little bit here. And that we... Then we, again, repent again. Follow Jesus. That's that's what we'll we'll see in our our passage today. As we look at the words of Jesus who says, listen, this is the way, this is the better way. Every other way you have, this is the better way that truly leads to life for all eternity. Um, When when Jesus shows up here, it's, it's like You know, you're you're headed to the to the restaurant uh, at this afternoon and you find out on their way there it's closed. And then somehow you find out from somebody else that says, hey, but this restaurant over here is just opening and they're 50 percent off and uh, you turn and you head that way. That's that's what Jesus is presenting here as he comes the, the first words in the gospel of Mark from the mouth of Jesus. Our here is the better way. Now our uh, passage, first passage, we look at is Mark one, starting with verse 14 uh, through verse 20. Let's, uh, let's pray. Mighty God, again, we give you thanks for your written word that speaks of your truth. Now may you give us ears to hear and a heart to receive and, and hands and feet to go and do as you are calling us. Help us hear The words, the leading, the prodding of your spirit this day. Show us ways that we need to repent. That we need to be changed. That you're transforming us so that we can cooperate with you as you show us the better way. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, Jesus has shown up in the mark. Uh, He's been baptized. He's been out in the wilderness with the temptations, with uh, with Satan. And and now he... uh, We jump into verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, so Jesus comes on the scene. Let's just un- unpack a little bit of these church words here. First, it, it says that Jesus comes proclaiming the gospel. Well, gospel just means good news. Gospel means you get a note saying the restaurant is open and it's 50% off. That's good news. Yeah, you know, that's what gospel is. This is the good news that Jesus brings. The good news often is like when a uh, an army's come back from war and they're Telling the crowds that have gathered, we won the war. We're free from our enemy. That's the good news. That's what Jesus is coming to bring here. The good news of God. And what does he say this good news is? In a simple phrase, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here. It's now, right now. I am the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying. Well, what is, what does he mean when he says the kingdom of God? It means that we live in the fullness of God's love and presence right now. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the fullness of God's presence. I am the fullness of God's love right here, right now, in front of me, in front of you. This is what now is on the scene. Now, it's in the Lord's prayer. You know Jesus that teaches us how to pray. He defines the kingdom of God for us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it is. You want to know what the kingdom of God is? It, well, the kingdom it's what it's like. What happens when God God's plan is being perfectly obeyed and followed? When we are living fully in the presence and the love of God, everything is happening just as God desires and created it to be. And, And what Jesus tells us to pray, we pray that what's happening in heaven now happens right here with us. That we live... And I, I, I steal a little bit from one of my favorite authors, David Benner. And say the kingdom of God is when we are surrendering fully and completely to the love of Jesus. When we are surrendering to His love. Now, now some of you might just need to be hanging out with that statement right there. And, and feel the internal questions and wonders to surrender... Which is just a nice word to submit to the love of Jesus. That that's what the kingdom of God is when it's here on earth, when we are in full surrender to His love. And, and then, so then, so here, it's here. The kingdom of God's here now. Repent and believe in this good news. Whatever you're trusting in whatever you're depending on uh, whatever you're you're thinking this is what this is the way of life whatever you you think this purpose is let it go turn away from it change your mind change your body and now trust in this good news that the love of Jesus guides and directs all of our lives everything this is not a tweak This is not a fine tuning. This is not a touch up. This is a total change of direction and dependence in our life. That's what he's calling us to. And he gives us an example at the end. He then tells a story. And then I go and I'm hanging out with Andrew and with Pete and with Simon Peter and John and James. And what happens in that story? That, hey, come follow me. What are they? Okay. Yeah, off. I'll tell you what. I can be there at noon tomorrow and I can be with you for a couple of days and then I'll have to come home. No. What happens? Both of them. Okay. Drop it all. Turn. Follow you. I'm with you. All in. That's what it means to repent. That's that's what Jesus comes and says. Drops, drops it all right there. You come and Follow me. Now, what, what this so what this means, this re- repentance, this understanding of following Jesus is uh, our purpose, our priorities, our goals, our desires, our relationships. They're all redirected. All of it, because we live fully surrendered to the love of Jesus. There is no part that is untouched. I mean, that's the kingdom of God, where everything is perfectly in accordance with the plan of God. Where uh, we are fully surrendered to the love of Jesus. Everything is there. That's, that's what he's calling us to. That's the nature of Repentance. Now, this is a good reminder, this is a good correction for us who, who uh, claim the name of Jesus, who, who are Christians, that, that Christianity, as I said, it's not an add-on to our lives. Uh, sort of like, I was on my cell phone bill the other day and they said, oh, you got add-ons, and I clicked on it, and I, I could add on a s- couple television streaming things, I could add on this process of making Hotel reservations for 40% less. I'm like, what does that have to do with my phone? I don't know. Couldn't quite get it. But Jesus is not an add-on. There is no a la carte menu with Jesus. It is like, this is what he's serving. And you're going to take it all. That, that's, and, and, and That's what you want. That's what is good. This is the better way. Jesus did not die. Jesus did not die for us to make our lives easier or more fulfilling. He died for a much greater reason than that. He died to make it possible for us to live in the fullness of Jesus' love. Now that might make, that will make our life more fulfilling and it will give us a much grander purpose. It won't make it easier, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Jesus did not die to bless your plan for your life. He didn't die to bless my plan for my life. Or your plan. He died for something much grander. He died to fulfill God's plan for all of creation, which includes your life and my life. He didn't die for anything about my plan or yours, but for God's, for the Father's plan, for all of creation and the fullness for which He created it. And He died so that we get to participate in that, to go truly the better way. He came to invite us on this journey. This, this, this journey of course correction. This journey of repentance. This journey of transformation and change. See, because there will be uh, often times along the way, as um, Steve was sharing, every morning. i got to renew that promise every moment. Or, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I'm following you. Uh, not that way. And, and that's our our journey I mean, Samuel, last week, made a great line. He said, sometimes we just think we're smarter than Jesus. (laughs) That sometimes it's like, well, we know the better way. Just a little bit better than you. And Jesus is like, no. There there is no way that you're wiser than me. So, come follow me. This Lent... Uh, one of, one of our questions, one of our journeys here is, is, what, what's the correction that God's making in your life today? What's He working on in you today? What, where's, where's He calling you to repent? I got news for you. There's always an area. There's always a spot. And in God's graciousness, He just, He, Calls us closer and closer to Himself. Come to the better way. What? What is that? What, something you got to start. Something you got to stop. Something within you that you 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 need to change, or just something you need to be aware of. Um, I've I've shared this with you a couple times over. The, so it's been over the course of the last year uh, that uh, as I wake up in the morning, I have a little. Mantra, a little prayer that uh, often when wake up, still under the covers and just comes to mind. All right, Lord, I want the spotlight on Jesus, not on me. Lord, I want the spotlight on Jesus, not on me. Help me keep that spotlight on Jesus and stop trying to shine it back on me. And then the second line is, and Lord, help help me to please you and not others. Help me not to live for the approval of anybody else but you. Well, and I had three examples this week where it hit me upside the head of how I took that spotlight and put it back on me. I'm only going to share one with you. But I was in a, a meeting on, on Thursday with a group of other leaders and in, in the church leaders in the city and um, uh, doing some uh, uh, just coming together about how, how we as, as the church seek to you know, make impact in the, the city. And uh, at the end, uh, a couple of prayer requests were shared that were really, really grabbed my, my heart. And um, and, you know, at the end, the person that was leading it said, so. Um, who'd like to pray for us? It's a bunch of pastors and Christian leaders in there and we all sit there for about five, six seconds. You know, it's that silence. And I just said, you know, I just really feel this in my heart. And so I said, all right, I'll, I'll pray for us. And, and I did. And I, and, and I was really moved by some of the things that were shared and I prayed for them and was, was, it was, um, and, and Got uh in, involved in that that prayer and got some amens going in the in the group and then said amen and was like oh that was meaningful and all the rest and then as I left you know I thought man what what a great prayer that was what a great thing and and it was almost as if God laughed and said where's the spotlight where's the spotlight now and I just laughed at myself said oh yeah. This came right back, right back to me. Peter demonstrates this need of constant repentance. That this journey of regular course correction. That we're often taking the steering wheel. We're, we're often, you know, just sort of hedging our bets back to our own wisdom or the ways of the world or whatever it might be. And even though he he responded here in Mark 1, I want to to look at his response in Mark 8, verses 27 through 38. And we're reminded of this call to constant turning back, repenting. To Jesus. Now I'll start in verse uh, 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist and others say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Yes, surrendering your life, surrendering our lives to Jesus' love it's not necessarily the fastest way, the most efficient way, the easiest way. But it is the better way. To surrender to the fullness of his love. Now, I love this. Uh, As he's telling them, who do you say I am? Peter rightly answers, you're the Christ. We saw in in the first chapter of Mark. You know, when Peter invited him, Peter dropped it all and came and followed him. But now Jesus is taking him. He's, he's he's maturing him. He's he's deepening him. He's he's telling him that hey, this is what it means. This is what my love means. And uh, Peter's like, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Love Peter, man. Just love it. You know, nobody else would say anything like that. But he gets right in his face. And he shows, uh, we we may be a lot more euphemistic about how we do it. But when we say we're smarter than, we don't ever say we're smarter than Jesus. Really? But that's the reality of it. Peter says, rebukes him. Corrects him. No, you're not going to die. That is not the plan. And then Jesus turns, seeing the disciples around him. Gathers them and then corrects Peter. I love how he corrects him though. He he uses the same word that he used to call him. That word where he says, get behind me. That's the same word that's translated in chapter 1. Follow me. He's telling him, Peter, get in your right spot. Get here. Then he uses stark language, causes him, causes him Satan. Satan means adversary. You're, you're opposing the ways of God. He says, you're, you're living according to the ways of humans. You're not living according to the, you're living according to the kingdom of humans, not the kingdom of God. You are opposing me. So get back in your right place. Get behind me. Repent again. Because <laughs> Peter is now facing Jesus and front, face to face and he's saying, no, you need to be behind me facing me from this direction. And I propose to you, that's the Christian life. That's the essence of our lives. That we are influenced by so many different things. So many different... Our own personal preferences and likes. The the values of America. The values of our family. uh, Which are not of the kingdom. They might be. There might be some things that are part of the kingdom. But they are not our drop dead bottom line. And there are ways that those values and preferences will be according to the ways of humans. And not according to the kingdom. Because the kingdom's crazy. Jesus came in our midst and he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die. There will be ways that this will be a challenging word to us. And we're on this journey of repentance. Every step of the way. Now, I ran across one of Dr. King's sermons from 1956. February of 1956. And and the sermon was, it's hard to be a Christian. And it's based on this passage. He said, "One, one of the most prevalent illusions of modern life is the belief that it's easy to be a Christian. In so many quarters, Christianity has been relegated to a bundle of sentimental teachings. Goes on, so that Christianity ends up little more than a glorified aspirin tablet for aches and pains of life. Last quote, this one, this one I'll put on the screen. Taking up the cross is the voluntary or deliberate choice of putting ourselves without reservation... At the service of Christ and His kingdom. It is putting our whole being in the struggle against evil, whatever the cost. It's February 5th, 1956. February being Black History Month, a little more history. Maybe give you a little more context for this particular sermon. Because it was six days earlier. January 30th, 1956. That he, Dr. King, was at a church meeting downtown. Coretta was home with the kids, putting them to bed. She heard something up front, closed the kids' door, and then the front of the house exploded. Because a bomb had gone off in the front of their house. Gives a little more credence. I think we've got a picture of that not sure how well the picture works that's the front of his house after the bomb exploded gives a little more credence that yeah there, there there there's opposition to following the ways of jesus and it gives meaning to what jesus is saying here no you, you are going to be in a, a sinful and adulterous generation you, you will be living in, in that world. That will be the, the, the way that, that you're living and it's in that generation that you're called to be repentant, always turning back to me, refusing to follow the ways of the world. Surrender to my love. Surrender. Don't on the, the one hand, don't, don't get so worried and scared and protective that you, you, you go the way of just isolating yourself. Getting totally out of the world. Not being the salt, staying in the salt shaker. And, and on the other hand, don't take matters in your own hands. And, and, and demand and fight the battle that you're going to impose the love of God. Don't do either way. No, those are the, the natural tendencies. But stay right in the middle. Follow Him. Surrender to His love. Because it is the better way. It's not the easiest way. It's it's, it's not the the way that, that may come natural to me or to you. But it is the better way. As we're journeying through Lent. Explore this season. Ask the Spirit of God within you. All right, what's... What's the way that you're calling me to, to change, to be transformed? What's the, the step you're, you're asking of me today, Lord? What, what am I holding back from your love? What am I refusing to give over to you? Be, be in tune with places that maybe you find anger or anxiety or defensiveness Impatience—you know those things are sort of the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. When you see those things pop up, be in tune with them. All right, Lord, where are those from? What's 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 happening there? And surrender them, as we were singing, surrender them to the Lord. Cause what we, what we want to be is, is that community that surrenders to the Lord so that as, as a people, we are living more and more out of the surrender to the love of Jesus, following His way. Even in the midst of an adulterous and sinful generation, even in the midst, there's just no way to soft sell the notion of denying yourself and taking up your cross. How do we do that together? How is the Lord leading us? Leading you? During this season? Let's pray. Almighty God, we ask that your spirit would indeed guide and lead us. Uh, We we, we marvel, Lord, we are overwhelmed with the extent of your love and how you, Jesus, surrendered yourself perfectly to the love of the Father. We, we praise you. We, we worship you. We bow down before we give ourselves to you over and over again because you show us the way that you totally surrendered to the love of the Father continue to keep your story before us and help us to follow uh, we we ask um, Lord for your continued leading for us here to to surrender to you the, the different ways that you would be speaking to us and to us as a, as a community Now uh, we thank you for Steve sharing his story and we thank you for living in, in testimony in that ministry we pray your your hand upon them that they too would be helping to so they would be surrendering to your love totally and completely and leading others to do the same. And Father, we, we think about our, the, the world around us and we, we pray particularly for the church. For others who are are part of the same team with us who are surrendering, who have repented or believing your good news and surrendering to you in situations of of great terror and horror. We we continue to pray for the church in Ukraine and in Russia and Israel and Palestine. Lord, we, we pray for your church to rise up. To surrender to your love even in the midst of such violence and terror. And thank you for our brothers and sisters in our own nation in the last hundred years who have done that. Thank you for those that lead us in the midst of such violence to follow after you. Thank you, Lord, that you are so gentle. That you, you lead us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross in, in your gentle guidance and direction, even in the, the midst of explosions around us. Thank you, Lord, that we all can repent. We're not too young. We're not too old. We're not too strong. We're never too smart to repent to you, to grow closer to you, to Live your better way. And Lord, we take this moment, we pray for David Welch. Uh, We pray for him as he's in the hospital and um, having continued troubles with his heart. We pray also for um, a child of this church, uh, Dave Craig, who's waiting for a new heart to be transplanted. We pray for that you would provide that... uh, the healing, David Welch's heart, and the new heart that Dave Craig needs. Other needs that are around us, Lord. Other concerns in our, in our own lives, the lives of our loved ones. Lord, we, we lift them up to you. Thankful for, for your care. A love that is so great demonstrated in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Lift all these things unto you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.